Father, we just ask that you would speak to us in this moment. Lord, it is a busy, busy season. There are so many distractions. Help us to focus on you. Students, I'm going to ask that you pray in this moment for yourself that the Lord would speak to you, that you'd be willing, you would have ears to listen, that you wouldn't be distracted by the things of this world. Take this moment, pray in this time. Father, we ask that you would take our breadcrumbs in these moments and multiply them into loaves to feed thousands. Father, I ask that you would allow me to just be a mouthpiece, a vessel, a servant. Father, help me in this moment to abide in you because apart from you, Father, this time is spiritually insignificant and useless apart from you being here. So, Father, we ask that you would be here and you would be with us. Lord, speak to us tonight. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Last February, almost a year ago to date, I was in Israel with a group of friends. And in Israel, there's this area called the Dead Sea that you're probably familiar with. And just off of the Dead Sea is this fortress, this fortification called Masada. And Masada is this ancient, uh, it's, it's pretty much like the original castle on a hill, okay? And so there is a picture to my left on the screen. There's a picture of it with the Dead Sea in the background. It's this beautiful Herodian fortress, which means it is like Herod built it to vacation and to get away if he needed to get away when people were trying to kill him, just to be frank. And so uh, we went to go visit Masada when I was in Israel. And Masada is known for this siege where this group of people were in Masada and they were surrounded and they decided to, everyone in Masada uh, decided to commit suicide. It was a mass suicide. It's this historical known story of Masada, but it's this beautiful fortress. So we all went to visit it and it's kind of high up on this hill. It's really not a hill. It's, It's pretty much a mountain. It's like a cliff. I don't know what it is. Somebody that knows geography could probably tell you what it really is, but it was this really long walk to get up. But there was even this gondola like at a ski resort, you know, that goes up to the top. There's a gondola that goes up to the top. So I'm with a huge group of friends and uh, we're on the bus about to get to Masada, and my buddy Jimmy and I uh, are just talking mess to everyone. We're like, guys, who's going to take the gondola? And if they raise their hand, we're like, you're weak, you're lame, like you're a loser. And uh, it was just positive peer pressure. We were just trying to get people to go with us. And so we're just like messing with everyone on this bus, and we're just talking. We're just like yapping. We're like, who's going to come with us? We're going to run the whole way. And uh, it's kind of arrogant for me to say, Jimmy is in the NFL. He was at the time playing for the Detroit Lions. So he should have been able to get up the hill pretty quick. But me and Jimmy are like convinced 
that we're going to run up this hill when we get there. And uh, so right when we get there, we're the first ones to leave. We're like, we've been talking a lot. We better start running. Um, and so we start running up Masada. And about five minutes in, we're like, <sighs> let's take a break. Let's take a break. Water break. We, we have water. It's hot at this point. Uh, we're in the desert. The Dead Sea is it's in the desert, and that's why it's fading away. But anyways, that's a story and an illustration for another day. Um, so Jimmy and I are trying to get up Mount Masada, and we're just like joking around, but we, we go a little bit away. We have to stop, get some water. We run a little bit away, stop, and get some water. And just before we got to the top, here's a picture of Jimmy. Just before we get to the top, Jimmy's like, I'm done. I'm done. And he does these silly impersonations. He, he's like, I'm done. I'm just so done. And, uh, uh, and so we're joking around, and all of a sudden, we're just before the top of the mountain, and this guy named Jeff, this Aggie named Jeff, <laughs> comes power walking past us, and he beats us to the top. And he was in our group. He left behind us, and he power walked all the way to the top. And in that moment, I took a picture of it because I was like, Jimmy, this is hilarious. This dude's beating us to the top, and I'm going to take a picture of you and not me um, not winning this race. And the reason why I start with that story tonight is because we were all talk. Jimmy and I were like, oh, you guys are all weak if you're taking the gondola. Like, oh, you're going to power walk? What a joke, Jeff. You went to A&M? I wish I could have gotten in. And so, like, <laughs> like, we're just like, you know, I don't know what was worse, the fact that he was an Aggie or power walking. Anyways, it doesn't matter. The reason why I'm telling you is because we were just yapping along, all talk. No walk, no action. Nothing. The reason why we start with that tonight is because we're going to be continuing our series called Say Cheese, where we've been digging into and exploring the depths of truth that sound cheesy. And tonight, we are going to focus on the truth that God loves you. You can write that down. That might be your only note tonight. Jesus loves you. This I know for the Bible. We spare you for that. from that. We've heard this before. And in fact, I would even say it's overly familiar. And so tonight I'm going to ask that we fight familiarity and we dig deep in understanding that God loves us. That's it tonight. That's the only point I have tonight. That is all we're going to focus on. And it deserves focus. Love can be a confusing thing. The idea that God loves us might be confusing to us. It might fall on deaf ears for most of us because it's so familiar, but also because many of us are like, I love Chick-fil-A. Chambers said something about chicken minis. I'm here next week, like for sure, right? Or you, maybe you love torchies or queso, or maybe you're like me and you just have a weird love for corn dogs. You know, I don't know. Like I, there's different things that we say we love. We love Baylor. We love these different things. It, 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 we don't really understand the word we're using, or maybe even in our lives, maybe love is this thing that's been tossed around, but the very people that said they love you have been the same people that have left you. I'm just gonna be honest with you. My family situation, there is somebody that tells me they love me every time I see them. And I'm like, man, thank you for saying that but you also left me. When I was about 12 years old, my brother graduated from high school, went off to college. Where were you? 
dad. You left. But when I see him four times a year, he's sure to tell me, I love you, Dale. Thanks. Is that? Then why'd you leave? I don't start that tonight. I, I don't tell you that to draw pity. I just, that's 50% of America. Divorced families, broken homes, these words of love that have been thrown around, tossed to and fro, that have now almost become meaningless. When you heard God loves you, you probably weren't like super excited about the rest of the night, were you? No. Because it's clouded our view of what love really is. And as I started, a lot of us have heard a lot of talk about love. And not very much action. A lot of talk. No walk. Which is why we're going to look at John 3.16 tonight. If you'll turn in your Bibles to John 3.16 with me. We're going to camp out here the entire time. It says this. Oh, y'all are turning. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. John 3.16. We're going to break it up into fragments. For God so loved... We'll stop there. For God so loved. There's an emphasis on how loved... God did, right? Like, do you get what I'm saying? Like, so loved. It, it will, it, it's kind of like this. It will be awesome when Baylor beats Kansas on Saturday. Am I right? No, 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 no. It will be so awesome when Baylor beats Kansas on Saturday. I'll see you there, okay? It is not just this, this small thing. So, this word so means to such a great extent. It's not just love. It's a great love. Like, you know those people that text annoying ways, like all caps? I just see, like, if this was my version of the Bible, I'd be like, <laughs> I'd be like, for, like, so would be capitalized. For God so loved the world. It's this volume. It's this measurement. It's this depth. It's almost this energy. It's this pursuit. He so loved. He didn't just love us. He so loved us. Let's go to the next, the next fragment. For God so loved the world. He didn't just love the good people in the room. At this point, what we need to know contextually is that this is a mind-blowing statement. He isn't just saying he loved God's chosen people, the Israelites. This is actually mind-blowing. He's saying God so loved the world, Jew and Gentile. This message is for everyone. For God so loved the world that he gave. I love this word, gave. It's this tense, this aorist tense, which means it is a completed action in the past. He has given his son. I jumped ahead. He has given. It's already been done. It's this completed action that has continuous implications in the Greek. 
For God so loved the world that he gave. Let's keep going. His only son. What we know of gifts are that the more rare they are, the better the gift. A one-of-a-kind Ferrari is a big deal. There's a hundred, it's not as tight, right? This was God's only son. This was the greatest gift he could have given. And not just it was the greatest gift he could have given, it was he gave it. It's already been done. It's in the past. It's been completed. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish. There's no downside to following Jesus. There's no perishing. Whoever believes in him will have life, and life to the full, as the Bible says. No good thing does, does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. You aren't being cheated. Whoever believes in him will not perish. Let's finish this sentence, but have eternal life. I'm going to read it again. You should know it by the end of tonight. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. It's the gift that keeps on giving. God said he loved us, and his actions backed it up. He talked the talk, and he walked the walk. He didn't just say, I love you, and then leave us out to dry. His love is a fact. I think too often we get into this this sense that God's love is a feeling, when in reality God's love is a fact. It's something that's already been completed. It's an action that has been given already on our behalf. The Father has already given his Son. It's done. God's love isn't a feeling. It's a fact. And the sweet thing about God's word, or about this gift of God's Son, is that it's not about us. It's not about us. I think when we think of God's love, part of the reason why when I tell you God loves you, you're like, cool. What else you got? It's because so often we get caught up in this, this cycle of life where we think that when something doesn't go our way, that God doesn't love us. When we don't get that job opportunity or internship, or we don't get into that organization, we don't win that game, or something happens that doesn't go our way, God doesn't love us. Or when we get broken up with, God doesn't love me. And a lot of times we even think God's going to love a future one of us, right? You're like, yeah, God's okay with me right now. But once I stop viewing pornography, then he'll finally love me, right? Or when I stop that eating disorder, like then he'll finally love me. Or whatever it is that we think that one day when we stop, he'll finally love us. That's the way we view God, God's love, or maybe we even fall into the, the trap that we might have fallen into because of last week, that when we memorize scripture, then God will love us more. 
or when we read God's word that God loves us more because of the thing that we're doing. And the reality is God loves us because he has given his son for us. The focus is on him and his love and what's already been done. So often we think of everything as this performance-based thing. It's, it's culture. It's the way we live. You do good. We think when we do good that God, or when we do good, God will love us more. Or when we do bad, God hates us. We even sometimes fall into the trap when bad things happen to us. Like I said earlier, that we're like, God doesn't like me because that didn't happen for me. That happened to that other person. God loves that other person more than God loves me. John 3, 16. We've heard it and we forget it. He won't love you when, you, when you're better. He loves you right now. God loves you guys dearly. And this is good news because most of us are far more sinful than those sins I just said. Those aren't our worst sins. If those are the things we're struggling with, I'm just telling you right now, those aren't our worst sins. There's far deeper problems. The good news is his love is far greater than we realize. But we're familiar with it. You might be thinking, that doesn't make any sense. Like, why would God love me? I've struggled with this or I've done this. How could he love me? He knew that we would think this. In Ephesians 3.19, it says, The love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. It is uncomprehensible to me or to us as humans. There, it literally doesn't make sense why he would love us. And God knew that it wouldn't make sense to us. That's why he wrote about it. The love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. There's parts of it that will never make sense. You might think, well, we're just, I'm so unworthy. He knew we, we might think that. Which is why he says in scripture in Romans 5 eight, but God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, he died for us. He knew we were gonna sin in this way. And he died because he knew. He's not surprised by our sin. He loves us. He died for our sin. He knows exactly what he got himself into. He knew. You might think, but, but I've done bad things or I've had bad things done to me. He can't love me. Romans 8, 39, nothing in all of creation will be able to separate you from the love that is in Christ Jesus. God loves you. It's a fact. It's not a feeling. Here's the reality tonight. Someone here doesn't know that God loves them, doesn't believe that God's love for them is enough to reconcile them before the Father. It's not enough. The blood of Jesus is not enough to save you. Somebody thinks that in here tonight. And I just want you to know this. Masada, that mountain that I told you about, the only reason we know what happened in Masada is because of a man named Josephus. And Josephus was this historian who wrote about Masada and the siege of Masada and all these different things. In fact, 
Everything we know about Masada comes from Josephus, and we choose to trust it. It's now this excavated site, and people go to dig there, and, and they, they go to find out more like, uh, about the archaeology and all these things, and it's now this tourist attraction in Israel because of what Josephus has said about Masada. For the person in the room that doesn't believe that God loves them, that doesn't believe that Jesus came to this earth to die on a cross for everyone's sin, for the entire world, for the person that doesn't believe that tonight, let me just tell you, the historian Josephus spoke of a man that they called Christ. He talked about John the Baptist's beheading. He talked talked about James, the brother of the one they called Christ. He even talked about the crucifixion, the historical crucifixion of Jesus Christ. So if you don't believe that God loves you and he sent his son Jesus to die for you, what I want you to know is that the Bible is saying Jesus died on the cross for every one of our sins, the world's sin. And history says there was a man named Jesus who died. The death of a crucifixion. These seem to align. And I want you to know tonight, if you don't believe this, you need to reconcile the fact that the Bible and history align at this point. And it doesn't end there. There was a resurrection from the dead. And it was unexplainable the people that didn't want Jesus to be known, didn't present Jesus' body. They actually said that the disciples stole it because the body was gone. They couldn't, they couldn't find the body. So they just started saying the disciples took it and they did something with it. They didn't even claim that. They, they didn't bring another body to prove that Jesus hadn't resurrected. They didn't have a body to find because Jesus had resurrected from the dead. So tonight, I hope you know that God loves you. Last thing about crucifixion, I want you to know just this fun fact. It's a short night. Uh, this fun fact about crucifixion, it's not a funny thing, but the reality is that historically, crucifixion was this gruesome death. And historically speaking, crucifixion was meant only for criminals. And uh, there's this fact about the crucifixion that seems to be uh, like almost completely true, which doesn't make it a complete fact. But anyways, uh, there's this thing where uh, there are no recorded names of people that have died by crucifixion other than Jesus and his followers that were crucified upside down. Why? Think about it. Even the, the two criminals on either side of Jesus as he died were not named. They were simply known by their offense. Jesus is named because he wasn't a criminal that died on a cross. He was Christ. He was far more than a criminal. He is the only human, fully God, fully man in history 
whose name came with the crucifixion. Historical data. Here's the deal. I've been in your shoes before. Not long ago, I went to vertical. I actually look back on vertical notes today. I was just flipping through them. I'm like, this is so cool. I was such an idiot. And uh, like the things that I wrote down, again, from last week, I wrote down a lot of tweetable truths. No God's word here. Um, but what I, what I know is that for this room, I would have been pretty let down by tonight. I would have wanted more. Now, as I was praying about this, what I realized is I would have wanted more, but I wouldn't have understood that I don't need anything more than the fact that God loves me. That wouldn't have been sufficient for me. I would have wanted more. I wouldn't have understood that I don't need I'm going to close with this. If you can turn in your Bibles to Isaiah 49. Starting in verse 14. It says this, But Zion said, The Lord has forsaken me, My Lord has forgotten me. God's people are saying, God's forgotten. He doesn't love us. He's forsaken us. He's forgotten about us. And God responds. He says, can a woman woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will never forget you. Behold, I have engraved you On the palms of my hands, your walls are continually before me. What this is saying is, this group of people is saying, God, do you love us? Or have you forgotten about us? And God is saying back, can a mother forget her own child? He says, a mother may forget their own child, but I will never forget you. And I I want you to see in verse 16, this is what it says. Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. What you need to know, historically speaking, is that there were slaves that could have had, sometimes they would have their master's name written on their wrists, tattooed on their wrists. So slaves would have master's names tattooed on their wrists. But what this is saying is that a God has the slave's name, the servant's, the son's and daughter's name engraved on the wrist. And it's not just this tattoo, it's this engraving on the palms of God's hands. And this engraving, this Hebrew word, it's not a tattoo. It's, it has this image of a hammer and a chisel. It's saying, hey, I have a hammer and a chisel and your names are written on my wrist with the hammer and the chisel. That's what God is saying. He's saying, I love you. 
I will not forget you. Mothers may forget their children, but I will not forget you. I've written your name on my wrists. Jesus died on the cross with a hammer and a chisel to his wrists on our behalf. But written within the wrists were each and every one of our names. Whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. He was all talk. Long before Jesus died on the cross, God knew that he would send his son on our behalf. All talk, all walk. It's not this love that doesn't have action that we're so used to here on this earth that when I say God loves you, you're like, cool. Give me something more. No, we need no more than Jesus himself tonight and the fact that God loves us. Because one day we're gonna stand before the Father and we're gonna have to give an account for our lives. And sure, it might be good that we tell God, well, I didn't gossip because I was at vertical that one time. might be okay, but you can't miss this. It's worth spending an entire night on the fact that God loves each and every one of us so that in the day that we stand before the Father and he asks us, why should I let you in? When God asks us that, we can say, because God loves me and Jesus died for me. His love that he said he had for me was followed up with action. And that changes things. All talk, all action. God has given his son and it is finished. We have been adopted, not abandoned. God has acted and not been absent. God loves us. Forgive me for thinking that isn't compelling enough to spend a night focused on the love that you have shown us through your son, Jesus. Lord, forgive us. Lord, help us to know more of your love. Help us to realize that it's not performance-based, that it is, it is beyond our comprehension. Lord, help us to see more of your love. Help us to understand it more deeply.
Lord, change us so that we can love others like you have loved us. And Father, tonight, I I pray for the student in here who doesn't think God loves them. Lord, may they know deeply the love that you have for them. May they wrestle with reconciling the historical fact that Jesus died on the cross. Lord, I pray that you would reveal yourself tonight. Show us more of your love, Lord. And as we sing of your great love for us, Lord, help us to see it more clearly. Lord, we love you and we praise you. We pray all this in your son Jesus' name.